Good morning. Glad you guys are here. Uh, thankful and blessed um, that you are here. Um, just a quick update. I know we'll hit this in our announcements, but we will move our service time um, in two weeks, August 7th. It will be 10 a.m., so a little earlier. We're, we're taking over the space. We're doing some renovations. We're kind of in a new season here, and so some things uh, may be slightly uh, different, sound, stage. I don't know what the, uh, we don't know what our other partner church is going to take and some that we will have chairs and we will have uh, some sound and we will be good to go. So just uh, know that. Um, we're excited to do some of these renovations and move our service time into 10 a.m. So that's for everybody that's serving and stuff too. Everything will be moved up an hour. And so we'll communicate that to those that are serving. Um, but today, again, we are going to be in Psalm 19, where the Psalm uh, says, uh, may the worst, it has, it starts with this phrase, and I pray that this phrase is on the screen, that it will stick in your hearts. May the words of my mouth. And so we'll start with that. This psalm doesn't start that way. It actually ends with this idea, but it, it talks about words, and we're going to see that it ends us kind of heart-checking our own words. And so, again, my name is Israel Martinez, and I'm thankful and blessed to be here um, at Redeemer Church with you guys. You guys are a blessing. Again, Psalm 19 is what we, is God's written word, and, and, and we get that idea, um, and many of you know, right? God's written word is, is what we know today is the Bible. So it's going to talk about the law of the Lord, but in knowing God's written word, that pushes us to know Jesus, who is the living word. I remember that idea used to confuse me, like the word, who's the word, the, the Bible, the book, we'll, so we'll kind of talk about that. But before we get into that, I want us to think about words. So what, what is in a word? Um, words are important. They're, they're how God designed that we would communicate and speak various languages and dialects and accents. I speak Spanish and English and mess around a little bit in Germany. I love, in German, I love accents. I love words. I think words are interesting when you're preaching and studying. Um, um, and so uh, j words are important. And, and how uh, he would communicate to us, God, is very interesting in that, that he gave us um, words. And so, again, these words can sound different. They can have different meaning. They can uh, change us, and they can affect us, and they can change us for the good or for the bad, right? Remember that little saying when you uh, were a kid? Maybe they still say this. I don't know. I was, an, I was an 80s, 90s kids. But sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. The worst lie I've ever heard. I was like, that's not true. The words always hurt me. You know, the words hurt us. And, and, and so, uh, again, words have power, and, and they can be used for good or bad. And so they can bring, uh, and, and they can do things in us that, that we have no idea. They can totally change people's lives for the good and for the bad. And so there are many voices out there today and many ways that words come into our lives and dominate our ears and try to dominate our attention. And, 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 and my encouragement and a little bit of a challenge and question to you guys is who, who and what words are you listening to? Who and what words are you listening to? And then why are you listening to them? Why are these words so important? Again, I think we can often miss the importance of words. James, we started that series a while back. Um, in James, the book of James in the Bible talks about being slow to speak because words can have severe consequences. Have you ever said something that was so damaging that crushed or hurt someone so horribly? And you're like, oh man, I can't, I can't put those back in the jar. Can't put the toothpaste back in. James 
continues and even says that the mouth cannot be bridled. Like the best of us can't control our mouths. Even the most quiet person, they're not quiet because they're holy. They're, they're usually cowards. They don't know how to use the words. And then there's the person that's like, ah, and they're just way too explosive, right? So no matter where you fall, there's, there's, there's a trap that we can't control it because that quiet person eventually is gonna blow up and say something or they're just gonna be passive and never say anything and their words are damaging that way. Or the person that's super explosive would just say stuff and be mean and be too direct and too aggressive, right? James says, who can tame the tongue? Who can tame the tongue? These tongues that we've had that, that J- James says he used for blessing and for cursing. We bless God with the same tongues that we curse people with. The answer is that no one can tame the tongue except God. Jesus was the only one that could do that. They could actually, and he said some hard things. So you're like, taming the tongue doesn't mean that you're a coward. He said, you brood of vipers, right? He said, who are you, woman? I don't give my stuff to, to, to pearls or pigs. He says some hard things sometimes. But generally, that's like 90-10. We take, oh, Jesus did it. I can be a jerk all the time. That's not what he's saying. Jesus also Flip the tables with his actions. So that doesn't mean that we do that all the time. He was Jesus. He did it perfectly. But there is a time for righteous anger and words that may be direct, okay? But no matter where you fall on the spectrum, the goal is to abide in Jesus, and the Spirit will give you the words at the right time, the Bible says. And so specifically, we see um, in, in the Proverbs and in, in the book of Psalms, which we've been studying, how important words are. And today, we're going to look at Psalm 19, this song of praise to God from David that helps us clearly understand creation's words, firstly, and then God's words, and then our words. And so words are so important that God decided the best way to give us his written word was through words itself. Think about it. Words that were passed down and preserved by the Holy Spirit throughout the generation that gives us our Bible today. So imagine if God left us a video. We're like, you know, what, what if we, I could be smarter than God. I would have left a YouTube video. I would have left this, this, this collection of 1980s DVDs, right, where we would have seen the stories of Jesus and, and, and Jesus dying and all these miracles like on DVD or on, on YouTube because now they're, you know, we had to put them on YouTube because nobody has DVDs anymore. What if God left us that catalog of all 66 books, right? Wouldn't that be cool? No, because we might initially be like, cool, we got video. But then we, our skepticism would play, right? And we would be like, man, that's fake, man. Look at that. Look at that CGI. That looks horrible. (laughs) Like, who did that? We wouldn't believe it. We wouldn't believe it if we had actual footage of Jesus. We don't believe it, and we have actual words of God. That's how, what would happen to us. We, we would see the video again and just be like, man, that's, 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 not, that's not 1080K. That's not 4K. The graphics in that scene are horrible. You know, we would just judge it and we make fun of it. It's so cheesy. Look at those clothes. That's not real clothes. That's probably what we would do. And we would judge the videos and many people would eat, you know, eat. Some people may go the opposite way and they would worship these videos and they would become relics. They do that in some churches, right? They would just be worshiping the videos and watching them all day and be weird and not living out the words of the videos. All this to say, is that God is smarter than us, right? And he left us a written word because that is the best way that, 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 that for us to understand truth. The written word stays. You retain reading better than you do listening even. And God's word was initially read and then God through his sovereignty allowed these words to be 
Like where we can have, I mean, I have so many Bibles in my house where we can have Bibles and we can hold them and we can hold, in a sense, God's words. And so Psalm 19 will teach us again to truly understand creation's words, God's words, and our words. Psalm 19 gives us a course again on creation's words, God's words, and our words. And so seeing, uh, in seeing creation's words and God's words, we, we will be confronted with our words. And Psalm 19 teaches us first that creation's words give glory to God. We're going to see and uh, which again echo God's word or his, his words or his word, which is perfect, which instructs our words, which should echo creation's words and God's words saying how the psalm ends. And I hope this phrase just sticks in your soul. We're gonna sing it. We're gonna say it a few times. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I can't give you anything else, but if I can give you one thing, it's that little phrase, like let it sink in your soul. Take that as you're uh, having conflict or as you're starting off your day, may the words of my mouth and the, and, and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you or acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So let's read Psalm 19 and let these words stick in our hearts. Psalm 19 starts this way. David says, it says to the choir master, the Psalm of David, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber. And like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. There is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous all together. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from my hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins and let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. So let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Again, Psalm 19 teaches us that creation's words give God glory, which echo God's words or his word, which is perfect, which instructs our words, which should echo creation's words and God's words saying, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And so again, firstly, we see creation's words and that the creation's words give glory to God. In verses one through six, we see creation's words give glory to God. So do you see the wonder of God in creation? 
think that's, it's a good place to start, and this is where this psalm starts. In verse 1, Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Again, we see more now of creation's words giving glory to God. We see that the heavens are declaring the glory of God and the sky is proclaiming his work and all that he's done. Verse two says, day to day pours out, meaning gushes. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. Creation is glorifying God with its words. It says there is no speech nor are there words whose voice is not heard. The point is that, is that the word is getting out through creation. Creation is, is, is showing to us. Have you ever been to a mountaintop or an ocean and you kind of feel that, that, that strength, that, that, that power? Like, ever been to a mountain and just look down? That's an arrogant person not be like, okay, there's God. God's real. <laughs> or to see the depth of the ocean and not feel the beauty and the glory and then, in a sense, to the power and the strength of God and the smallness of us. It's interesting to note um, what verse 3 says now. He says, uh, here we see again uh, that day and night, God's words or speech or voice is available to every person and nation. We see that while creation is literally silent, like creation doesn't actually speak unless God makes a donkey speak, right? Or the rocks cry out, the Bible says, if, if, if we don't speak. But creation is not actually uttering words. This is poetry here telling us that while creation lacks literal real words, creation is speaking so loudly that God is glorious and near to man. And it, and it is continued in that it says it gushes or it pours out. That it's obvious to us. The point here again is that creation's words give glory to God. And we have to know that. Look at verse four. It continues saying, their voice goes out through all the earth and their words, creation to the end of the world. And them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber. That's a happy man. If you understand the imagery there, like a strong man who runs its course with joy. There's this joy. There's this love of the word. You see, we see this picture again of one of the strongest and most notable and inescapable objects of God's creation, the sun. And David said, God has built his tent or place to live for the sun and that the sun declares or comes out like a bridegroom shouting, hallelujah. He's just come out of his wedding chamber is what it's saying, where he has been with his wife and he has known her for the first time. How beautiful that is. Our, our, our culture doesn't love that picture, but we should love that picture. We should want that picture for our babies if that wasn't our story, right? Beautiful purity of, of, of God. You'll see how scripture is described later. What an awesome joy. And then he compares the son to the strong man or this athlete who, who, who runs his course, who God has made to be this athlete, and he runs it with joy. And so running does not give me joy personally. I don't like running. I like, if I'm playing basketball, I, could, I used to be able to run all day, not anymore. But, um, but many people love to run and they see it as this thing that just gives them great joy. I don't get it. No, I kind of get it. You can kind of talk and I'm the guy that's just like, oh, I don't want to talk, you know, but some people can just run and they can just talk as they run. I don't know how they do that. That's amazing. I'm not that guy. I have to be playing a sport or something. Um, but th it's beautiful to see those people that can just like, I'm just going to take a run, and they run around the lake, or, you know, here at Lake Carolyn, and they just have this joy. 
I, I love knowing those people. I'm not one of those people, but it's cool to be like that God has given some people that. that I wish I had that, but I, I'm just an ugly runner. You know, like, just, I, can't, I can't talk and run. Um, and so, but that's a beautiful picture. And that's kind of the picture here. There's these people that love to run. And they're so joyful. And so this leads us to verse six, which says, it, it's, or the sun uh, rising is from the ends of the heavens and its circuit um, to the end of them, the heavens or the sky is what it's talking about. And it says, and there is nothing hidden, hidden, nothing can escape from its heat. We see the sun expands from its rising to the heavens and that nothing can escape the sun, right? I mean, you can hide under a shade, but you're gonna feel that heat. Uh, we got that perfect analogy this, this last month here in Texas, right? Of how hot everything has been, it's hot in here right now. It's like 72, so if I just pass out, I'm sorry. I'm a hot person, I need to be cold. I'm sorry, we had the air going. We'll try to get that going uh, uh, colder when we take over the building. Hopefully at 5 a.m. it'll be nice and 65 in here is what I like. Um, and, and so it's like 72, so I'm struggling. The hallway out there is 67. I'm sorry. Um, the point is nothing can escape the sun, just like no one can escape hearing God's word, which as Paul says in Romans 10, he refers to this, um, which actually refers and quotes to verse 4 of Psalm 19, our text today. And so Romans 10, 17 through 18 say this, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed, they have. They're, and this is where it quotes the psalm. Their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the end of the world. So yes, there is this general sense in general revelation. Theologically, that's what we call, and we call it special revelation when God has saved you and you've known him. But generally, no one can escape from God's word. And specifically, the gospel, as Paul talks in Romans 10, speaking of hearing the word of God, meaning this idea of the gospel. If that's not the word of God, I don't know what it is. It's the story of God, the story of God with us. So Paul actually quotes verse 4 of Psalm 19, saying that the Jews have no excuse to not know the gospel. And so on July 17th of 2020, today, that's today, right? Or is it the 24th? Sorry, my bad. 24th. <laughs> uh, today, uh, where, where the word of Christ is being preached, what is our excuse in not knowing the gospel? What is our excuse in not knowing the word of God? This is not to condemn you, but to free you, to really just love God. That's the point of the psalm. He's like, hey, the creation knows. We should know. We have no excuse, especially in this day and age. And so it, the gospel, God's word has been revealed specifically to us this morning. Remember, verse 1 and 6 teach us that creation's words um, declare God's glory and that they're always present and available for humanity. That's the point there. And we know through common sense and Paul's words in Romans 10 that even though this is true, not everyone will see or receive that creation's words give glory to God. People reject this all the time. So again, it's clear that creation's words give God glory. Creation's words are to point us to see uh, God's words. Again, creation's words point us to see God's word. And so does creation's display of God's glory move you to utter awe and wonder of our holy, magnificent, awesome God? 
When was the last time, and I'm not a big nature guy, so I have to preach this to myself all the time. I just, I like the city, I like coffee shop, I like, you know, drive, I'm not trying to go and hunt and do all this stuff. But I get those people too because they minister to me and they show this example of like, man, they just love like, people just love Alaska. One of my mentor guys loves Alaska. I'm like, amen to you, brother. But I get it because it's like there's whales and Alaska in the summer is beautiful. And even in the, in the winter when you see these like on a cruise and these icebergs and all this magnificent beauty, so when was the last time that you were utterly amazed by our holy God, not worshiping creation, but through creation, see the glory of God and hear the whisper of the voice of God calling you to, to, to be like Christ and to abide in him and to love God. And so again, when were you utterly amazed? You see, creation's words are to point us to see God's words, not to worship creation, but to do the opposite. Creation's words are to, to, to point us to see God's words. You see, seeing God's glory and being utterly uh, amazed by him opens us up to truly see God's words clearly and to love God's perfect words. Creation is an aid in that. Just our story, our life, everything that he's given us. We often can be very negative and just be like, man, life is horrible and, and all these things. And God wants us to see, sometimes just look up, smell the roses, and see his word, even displayed in creation. And so that's what the psalm is saying. And so secondly, in Psalm 19, uh, we see that it has to say that God's words or word is perfect. Seven, again, verses seven through 11, said another way, we can say God's word or God's law, that's how the Old Testament would, would describe it, is perfect. Look at verse seven. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving or renewing the soul. Like God's law, and this is, this is stuff in Leviticus and Exodus and Genesis and Numbers and Deuteronomy. That's the stuff he's talking, that's what the psalmist is talking about. That that renews or revives your soul. All, most, all of that is echoing Christ and it's echoing the great commandments, everything Jesus said. And yes, there is some civil and ceremonial stuff in there that doesn't necessarily apply to us, but it shows God's care and his protection for his people. You see, verse seven says, the law of the Lord is perfect. And this is where Christians can mess up is where they stop believing that God's word is perfect and that their word is truth or what someone else says is the true word. And that's a dangerous play to be, place to be. But God's word is reviving, guys, and it is renewing. It renews our souls. It says the testimony or the witness of the Lord is sure, making the wise, me, all of us, sorry, <laughs> I mean, not the wise. We're, the, we're not the wise, sorry. Making the wise the simple. So, yes, if you know God, we are the wise. We become wise, but we are the simple, right? See, that showed how stupid I was there. <laughs> Making the simple wise. That's what God's word does. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving, renewing the soul. The testimony, the witness of the Lord is sure, and it's making uh, wise the simple. So do you love God's words, my friends and family, or do they make you mad or uncomfortable? You see, verse seven says, God's words revive the soul. So when you're in trouble, when you're hurting, do you Google or do you go to the Bible? I mean, I'm, I'm talking to myself. Do God's words revive your soul? When was the last time you feared or revered God's glory because of his words? You see, this, these verse, and this verse specifically, verse 7, teaches humility as we realize that, that, God's word, that our words are not perfect and that God's words are, but that through God's word, 
that the, the simple person is made wise. What a beautiful wisdom that the, uh, that, the, the, that the word of the Lord can give to the simple. Don't think of yourself as not simple. God gives grace. Um, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This is the heartbeat of how we should operate. You see in verse eight, we see more of God's perfect word. Verse eight says, the precepts, these are all synonyms for the law or God's word, his statutes, his precepts, his commandments. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart, like God's word gives joy to the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Like it helps us see, it helps us see clearly. It helps our brains be right when those fiery darts come as we looked at last week in Psalm three when Satan is throwing fiery darts to you or to your family or even to our church. He says, the precepts of the Lord are right. This rejoices and gives joy to the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure and it enlightens the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean. We could talk about all this forever. We don't have time. Enduring forever. Just hear these words. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Do you see this fear of the Lord? It's clean. In verse eight, the precepts of the Lord are right. These are all synonyms, rejoicing. It gives joy to the heart. He's saying the same thing he said in verse seven. Then he says this, starting in verse 10. More to be desired are they than gold. That hits us in the gut, right? Because honestly, as Americans, we love gold. We love silver. We love the stuff. We love the green backs, right? We love that we love money. And he, and he says, more are God's words, they should be desired more than money, than gold. Even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, than the best food, than the sweetest thing, whatever that thing is for you, and drippings of the honeycomb. He says, moreover, by them, the word is your servant warned. Like God's word warns us. It keeps us at bay. It keeps us from knowing and he's going to talk about this in verse uh, 12. Moreover, by them is your servant warned in keeping. This word keeping is often, I don't think, understood well um, in the Bible. Keeping or protecting or guarding God's word in our hearts is the idea that we are keeping it, that we are guarding it, that we're digging into it, that we know it. it says, in keeping God's, in keeping the word, in keeping them, the word, there is great reward. And so do you see the power and the goodness and the impact of God's word? It changes our lives and can totally change you from being in this broken, dark, and messed up place. Even if you are in that, God's words are there for you. It warns us and protects us and heals us and changes us. And so again, when was the last time you feared or revered God's glory because of his words? When was the last time that you feared or revered God's glory simply by reading something in God's word and letting that hit your soul and hit your heart? Oftentimes, dear family and friends, the reason we live uh, weak, anemic lives is often because we do not treasure God's word. We see the psalmist broken and in a messed up situation and he's saying, he can say, rejoice. And it doesn't mean that you don't lament. Nobody's saying that. But in lament, we can go to the word of God. We can go to God's truth. And that gives us life. It revives our soul. Not, not other things. But we don't often love the word of God. We love the words of songs or, or movies or authors. 
And sometimes when it comes to the ultimate author, we can put his words aside to hear the words and love the words of other people, poets. And those people have their place. I love music. I'm a musician. I love all kinds of weird songs and, and, and stuff. Stuff has its place, but does it supplant the word of God? No. We love others' words so much, even our own words, right, and our own deceitful hearts. And the Bible says of evil people that they like to have their ears tickled, meaning that they like to hear what they want to hear and not the word of God. The, the, the word of God does what? It revives us. It also warns us. It confronts us, right? Like, oops, my bad. I've been living wrong. And guys, it's so dangerous to love our words. It's so dangerous, uh, family and friends, to just love our words and, and the words of the world, especially with social media and all this stuff that's out there. There's so many words and things thrown at us. And we are not grounded is why we're, James says you're moved. James, the book of words, you're moved, you're tossed like a wave because you're not grounded in the foundation of God's word. And so if someone says something, it destroys you, you know. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but, but words never hurt me. They still hurt. And so you will be crushed by words. But then do you, are you able to abide in Jesus and to live because of the written word, to live according to the power and through the power of the spirit in the living word, Jesus? And guys, this is why we need a community of believers. And that why, is why the Bible is so clear. We must be aware of our words our own words in isolation and we must have a community witness that, that, that live lives together to keep each other accountable. So if someone says a word, we're like, hey, brother, I don't, I don't know, man, that sounds off. And not to be mean, but to be able to, in, in, in the counsel of many, there is wisdom, right? There's an old uh, uh, Navy saying, loose lips sink ships. Does that make sense? Loose lips sink ships. Gossip it is dangerous. The Bible speaks of that. And that's how we should watch our words. And so it's dangerous. And sometimes we can be so loose with our words and just say this damaging thing or say this damaging thing. And we don't realize what we're doing. Loose lips sink ships. Words can be so dangerous and evil. And they can break us and hurt us. But God's, lo God's love for us through his word. The Bible says that God's word is perfect. And he's given us this loving, perfect word. Loving God's word is our ultimate aim because it means we truly love God. His word should bring us to worship just like creation worships God. So do you love God's word which represents him? You see, Jesus too is known as the word of God. And so to truly love God is to love Jesus and his word. And in the power of the spirit to truly know the father, we must know Jesus who was our representative. You see, God gave us his written word, which we call the law, or now the Bible, and he gave us Jesus, his living word. This always, again, confused me as, as a younger man, even as a 20-year-old you know, trying to learn theology and stuff, but it's actually, it's actually simple. We have not DVD sets, right? We have this written word that was in Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic, and it was preserved like no other book has ever been preserved. And people will tell you lies, and they'll tell you that there's, there's errors and all this stuff in the Bible. And yes, there's some translation things that aren't perfect, but the original manuscripts are perfect, and God gave those to us to know his word. No other book has been preserved like God's word. God's not playing around. He gave us his word, and many people today don't believe that in the church. They think it's just a, a guideline. They don't think it's this thing that, that the Psalm 19 is telling us that gives you life, that revives your soul. Yeah. 
We have this record of God, the Bible, which is his word, but the Bible is not our God. We don't worship a book. That would be weird. That's what some people do. And and they misinterpret it and they go too far, but it is a book that represents the word of God. And what has historically been preserved, it is without error in its original translation has been given to us to know God's word, which the Bible says is inspired or God breathed breath, words. That's why we say the Bible is God's written word that he left for us as a representation, representation of God himself. Where we, uh, where we, uh, I'm sorry, where, where would we be and where would all of history be? without God's word? Where would we be as believers without God's perfect word? There's even, even God's word is, has, our, our time, BC and, and, and AD for years have been set by the word of God, by Jesus coming. Now they try to erase that, but historically, like so many things were built out and shaped, good and bad, um, because of human nature, but God's word has been there through it all. And God's given us. And where would humanity be? Where would we be without God's word? You see, we have, again, the Bible is God's word and Jesus has the living word. So the Bible says that Jesus is the word of God. When it says that, it means that Jesus' word represents God. This means Jesus is actually God and to be worshiped. So just as if I were to speak, you would not discount my, my words as not being attributed to me. That would not make sense. No, you would hold me accountable for my words if I said something. For my words or my breath that make sounds and, and, and words that are representative of me, they in a sense are me. So in a similar sense, because Jesus is our mediator, he too is, the, is God's word or representative. He is equal to God and he has the authority to represent him as the word, as the living word. So we love Jesus as God's word and we love the Bible, not because it's merely a holy book, but because the very written words of God are represented in the holy book. And they show us how to love God because they are from him and represent him. Remember, God's word or his law is perfect. And so this brings us to the point of seeing Jesus as the word of God and dealing with the gospel story. So have you heeded the the words of creation? Have you listened to God's word? Jesus brings us all together as the living word. If you are his servant, like verse 11 says, will you respond to Jesus, the living word? Are you constantly responding and being changed by his word and not stuck in our own words or the world's words? If you have never responded to God, be confronted with the words of Jesus and creation today and um, the, 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 the word of the Lord and respond to our king today. And again, we see that our text has taught us that creation's word gives glory to God, which echoes God's words, which is perfect, which instructs our words, which should echo creations in God's words saying, may the words of my mouth And the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We find ourselves as God's creation that was made in his image now having to respond. That's what the psalm is doing. And and, and what will be our response? What will our words be now? Psalm 19, 12 through 14 teaches us that our words should echo creation and God's words. And it says, look at verse 12, who can discern his errors? Meaning, who can see his own sin? (laughs) Nobody, that's the point. These are rhetorical. 
says, David says, declare me innocent from hidden faults. Like, I know I'm a mess and all those things that I think, Lord, declare me innocent. It's like Psalm 139. Search me and know me. See if there's any wicked way in me. It's that idea. And he's begging God, see if there's any wicked way in me. Search and know my heart. And David in Psalm 19 says, protect me from myself. Help me not be a self-absorbed, ignorant fool who goes around thinking he can remove his own sin. You see, we often cannot see our own sin. That's why David is, right before he's saying, I want this heart, he's saying, I'm checking myself. God, check me. And we need to do that, guys. That's what repentance and belief is. That's what abiding in Jesus is. It's not a thing you do once or twice. You keep doing it. You're not getting resaved. You're just growing in sanctification. You're growing in holiness. No one can pluck you from God's hand. You see, we often cannot see our own sin when others can see it clearly. That's why we need community. And like David, we can and need to ask God to save us from ourselves. And again, like David, we can and need to ask God to save us from ourselves and from from the world's trapping and, and Satan and our enemies, our three enemies, Satan, the world, and ourselves. The kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of the world, and our own selves, the flesh. God's word can actually do this, guys. It can actually protect you from those fiery darts. The psalmist continues in verse 13 saying, keep back your servant. Keep me away from presumptuous, weird word, uh, deliberate, disrespectful, arrogant sins. Keep me back from those disrespectful, presumptuous, when you're presuming something, these deliberate, disrespectful, arrogant sins that we don't even see. He says, please, I don't want that. Let them not have dominion over me. Let not my arrogance and my pride or my cowardice. It seems like the psalmist is struggling with pride. Well, you may struggle with lack of confidence or something else. But he's saying, let these sins not dominate my soul. He says, so, so do you see this desperate plea in David to have God's word change him from his wicked ways? He knows he needs God. David knows it takes God's word and God to change him. And, and I believe in a sense here, David is crying out to the Messiah, Jesus, save me. That's all these Psalms are saying, deliver, rescue, save, redeem. Same words we use now, same Jesus, two covenants. So only after God has acted and David has put God's word over his own does David now know how to respond. He's elevated God's word and put his word and his thoughts low. He's gone back to seeing creation and going back to seeing God's words are perfect and awesome. And now he can repent and believe rightly. And David says in verse 13, then, then after, Lord, I've looked at and I've remembered who you are and I've remembered your word. Now I can look at myself rightly. And look what he says. And he says, and and Lord, call me out, change me, help me see things that I don't see. Verse 13, now he says, then this money Christians don't claim this role. It's like, oh, you know, I I said, I'm I'm a mess, I'm a mess. Of course, that's the default. We're all, we all have problems, duh. Like we all know that. But you're sons of God. You're daughters of the living God. You can claim that. You can know and walk in confidence and not in shame and say like David here, when you know God's word, nobody's saying you're perfect, but you're being perfected, sanctified. Look at verse 13. David says, and I, I shall be blameless. Not perfect. He's just saying, I don't, I've done all that I can to seek you, Lord, and, and help me. I'm a bucket head, but help me in my bucket headedness. Help me. Help me know, help me know you. And he says, in that, Lord, you are covering me and I'm blameless and innocent of great transgression. 
all the sin that David has committed, he knows that through Christ and through the Messiah that he is innocent. What a beautiful thing we can claim. We don't have to. God's word actually does that. It frees us. It doesn't condemn us and make you be like, oh, man, I got to do rules. I hate the rules. First John says God's words, is not, they're not burdensome. It's not burdensome. You love God's word. You love to do these things. Look, David knows because what God has done in, in saving him, he can be blameless, not because of anything he has done, but because there is power in God's word to change us, to be a new creation, as 1 Corinthians says. The old has passed and the new has come. This is the gospel that in creation, God made everything. He made us in his image and he knew that we would fall. There would be brokenness and darkness and separation from God. And in that, the redeemer would come, this perfect one, this, this living word, the written word was declaring about this one who lived a perfect life, who did what we could not do, who was the only one who could tame his words and his tongue and the only one who lived this perfect record. And then this one, Jesus, this perfect man was murdered, put on a cross, beaten, and he took on the anger, the wrath of God. And then he was in a grave and he rose. And on the third day, the Bible says he rose and he's coming again the same way he was put in, the same way he uh, um, ascended, that he's coming again. And we can see in, in creation the fall and then what we call redemption and then now restoration or new creation that Christ is coming back and he is our hope. You see, the gospel allows us to see that God's words give glory to him and that God's words or word is perfect. And now we are to respond with our words, which should echo creation's words and God's words saying, verse 14, let the words of my mouth, pretty self-explanatory, right? And the meditation, the thoughts, what I think about, the meditation of my heart, of the deepest, darkest parts of my soul and the good parts. May that be acceptable. May that be pleasing to you. May that be pleasing in your sight. He's talking about enlightening his eyes and in the eyes of the Lord. Not anyone else's eyes, but in the eyes of the Lord, he says, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Our words should echo creation words and God's word saying, if you take one thing, memorize this verse, ask the spirit to help you memorize it right now. It, it, I think it, it, it's poetic and it kind of sticks in the soul. We're gonna sing this too a couple of times. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We like the word redeemer here at Redeemer Church because we're remembering Jesus are your words doing this, what verse 14 says, or doing something else? Are your words doing what verse 14 says or doing something else? Our words can be so damaging or our words can be a, 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 a blessing. Again, the Bible speaks of words blessing or cursing. Are your words sarcastic? A lot, a lot of times that's just immaturity. And I'm, I'm, I'm a joker. I'm all down for, for good jokes and sarcasm that, that doesn't attack the character. Most guys, it's like this insecurity thing, so you're just sarcastic, and you're, you don't know how to be a man. You know, I say, man, I love you, dude. Man, you're a good dude, man. Thank you. Give me a hug. <laughs> We're just like, dude, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. You're an idiot. We have this weird, like, pride, and just to say, like, I love you, man. No, you know what I'm saying? Like, just to, to let that sarcasm die. People are sarcastic because a lot of times they're, they're immature. And I'm not saying, like, you can use sarcasm in a, in a good way, Okay. I like to joke and I like to do stuff like that. But just, just in the way when you're attacking people's character, people are so sar sarcastic again, they don't have a mature, they can't have a mature, heartfelt conversation. Sometimes new marriages start that way and they start with this sarcasm. They never learn how to beat that out of their marriage. 
And so we can use sarcasm as a crutch to hide our feelings. That's just one thing, right? How is your joking? How is your humor? Do your words tear down or do they build up? Do do you gossip with your words? Do you slander or malign or or always complain with your words? Y'all, we've all been guilty of this. You don't have to feel ashamed unless the Lord is convicting you. But in Christ, guys, we don't have to be those things. Our words should echo creation in God's word saying, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Are your words doing this or something else? Our words can be so damaging. But remember, our words, they can, be, uh, can bring cursing or can bring blessing. And so, in conclusion, in this season, what are your words saying? Who are your words directed towards often to God? Are your words crying out to God? Are your words, uh, or are they only calling out to other things you love and other people you love and trust? Luke 6.45 says, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. So it starts with this, this verse starts with the heart, and this, the Psalm's like, watch your words, have a good heart. This one's saying, out of the heart, look what it says now, It says, for out of the abundance of the heart, uh, his mouth speaks. So a lot of times the things we say, the jokes we say, the little sarcasm, the little thing here is coming from our heart. We don't even realize it. It's a diagnostic. You see, the mouth and the heart are so deeply connected. So what your mouth says is where your heart is. What your mouth says is where your heart is. And some of our words need to be the confession of our sin today. Some of you have been hiding your words. Like, remember it says that the, the sun, no one can hide from the sun. Some of you have been using words in a dishonest or hurtful way. And God wants you to live honestly and in integrity and that your words are a blessing to people and not a curse. You may need to confess some of your words this, for this week or even things you said this morning, I don't know, to show um, that they are showing your true heart. Some of these words that are showing who you really are. But remember, if you are a believer, walk in repentance to God first and then walk to that person or to the people you need to confess to and God can do wonderful things. Christ encourages us to, by the Spirit to walk in repentance and believe and the, and the gospel pushes us to say, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And so that is my encouragement to us today. To hear this one more time, we're gonna respond in singing. Remember, we learned our words should, um, we learned uh, that our words should echo creation in God's words. And and we learned that our words should say, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let's respond now in worship as we will sing these words. In Jesus' name.